And at this time, we'll now move to our scripture reading. And for those of you who have been with us, you know that we're going through the Old Testament prophetic book of Jonah. And here to help us with our reading, Sarah. Our reading today is from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented to the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Howard McPhee. I am one of the pastors here at uh, Grace Toronto. And uh, today we are continuing our series in the book of Jonah, and we will be reflecting on chapter 3. And if uh, recent events uh, have got you uh, thinking about God and wondering about Christianity and its Bible and what it's all about, the chapter we're going to look at this morning will dramatize in a very effective way what Christianity and the Bible is fundamentally all about and why people are attached to the Christian faith and its Bible. When the word of the Lord first came to the prophet Jonah, he was assigned a mission to Nineveh. But wanting nothing to do with such a mission... He boarded a ship and headed out for Spain. And on the way to Spain, God sent a violent storm. And uh, thrown overboard by desperate sailors, he found himself sinking in the raging sea and then in the innards of a great sea fish. And in the innards of that great sea fish, for three days and three nights, he experienced the grace and mercy of the Lord's rescue, the Lord's deliverance. And spewed out on the shore, Jonah had a renewed understanding of his role as God's prophet. He would obey the word of the Lord unconditionally. 
Now, although Jonah uh, was now committed to go and do as the Lord commanded, uh, he was not yet in his, uh, he was not yet fully aligned in his heart uh, with the compassion of God's heart. But when the command of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, commanding him to go to Nineveh with the Lord's message, he obeyed. And what is striking here, what is striking, is that the Lord did not give up on the imperfect Jonah, but continued to work with him to use Jonah in the accomplishment of his purposes. So Jonah makes his way to Nineveh. Nineveh, a great city, great in size, for it takes three days to traverse. A description uh, that probably includes not only the inner, uh, the walled city of Nineveh, but the surrounding administrative district, what we would probably call Greater Nineveh. Now, Nineveh's great size implied its great importance. And we read, literally, that, no, that uh, Nineveh was a great city to the Lord. Nineveh was important to the Lord. It was important to the Lord because Nineveh belonged to the Lord. And it was imp- it was, uh, and because Nineveh belonged to the Lord, Nineveh was responsible and accountable to the Lord. And because Nineveh belonged to God, God cared for Nineveh. God cared that he would see Nineveh turn from its evil, self-serving way to God and his mercy. Now, as we look back on the city of Nineveh, we are reminded of the great city in which we live, the city of Toronto. A city committed to live independently of its creator and sustainer, determined to chart its own course, serve its own goals, establish its own morals and abilities, morals and values, find its meaning and ultimate satisfaction in being master of its own destiny and captain of its own soul. But like Nineveh, God cares for Toronto and desires to see Toronto turn from their evil way, their self-serving evil way, to, the God, to God and his mercy. So God, in his mercy, gives Toronto abundance of good things. He gives Toronto educational opportunities, economic opportunities, prosperity, health care, CERB, 
He gives Toronto parks, music, arts, sports, government, law courts, vacations, cottages, roads, and transit. For as the Apostle Paul reminds us, the gifts of God's kindness are not a reminder that all is well with God, but are designed to lead Toronto back to God in repentance. And at times, the Lord God, in his desire and in his concern for Toronto, sends calamities such as we are presently experiencing For as Jesus reminds us, such calamities are warnings of a coming final day of reckoning, a day of judgment when the men and women of Toronto will account to God, to the God who the city of Toronto belongs Well, Jonah entered the city of Nineveh and he preached the message the Lord had given him, announcing that in 40 days God would overthrow Nineveh. Now, the word overthrow is the same word that is used for the utter destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, one has to admire Jonah, I think. It must have taken a great deal of courage to march into the city of uh, Nineveh, uh, a people that were known, even at this point in history, for their ruthless brutality, and announce Nineveh's doom. And I assume that it was Jonah's experience of the Lord's rescue and deliverance in the sea uh, that gave him the courage to announce such a message to such an audience. But all went amazingly and wonderfully well. For the people in the speaking of Jonah heard the speaking of God. And all went amazingly and wonderfully well. For the people did not believe Jonah. We read they believed God. Now, Jonah's obedience in proclaiming God's message in Nineveh played a necessary and important role in the accomplishment of God's saving purposes in that city. But the response of the Ninevites to Jonah's preaching did not depend on Jonah, but depended upon God. And this is an important truth This is a truth that we must hold on to and in which we must find our strength and our encouragement as those who are commissioned by God to proclaim a message that often seems an overwhelming and impossible task. We must proclaim this message as effectively as we possibly can But at the same time, we must continually and prayerfully remember as we call men and women, the men and women of Toronto, to turn from their self-serving evil way, 
that it is God who opens people's hearts to hear God speaking to them. And it is a work of God and his spirit that enables and empowers people to turn to the mercy of God. Now, the response of the people, the Ninevites, to Jonah's preaching was astonishing. The Ninevites, from the least to the greatest, along with the king, believed God and convicted of their sin, turned from their evil way. And they expressed their sorrow, their sorrow for their sinful, evil ways, and their sorrow for their sin of offending God by entering into a time of mourning where no person or no animal ate or drank, and every person was, and every animal was covered in sackcloth, fasting and covered in sackcloth. The people waited on God, crying out to him with great urgency, hoping that he might relent of the disaster that he had announced and turn from his fierce anger. Now, equally astonishing was the response of the mercy of God. For God, seeing the Ninevites turn from their evil way, listened to their cry and relented of the disaster that he had announced would come upon them in 40 days. Now, some might be asking, did God change his, way, his mind? Some might be asking, was God caught off guard by the Ninevites' response? Well, this passage needs to be understood in the light of Jeremiah 18 where God informs Jeremiah that if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. Here God is informing Jonah concerning his revealed will, his revealed will concerning nations and kingdoms. Thus, when God sent Jonah uh, to the city of Nineveh, announcing its destruction, he was not revealing his secret will, his decree that unfolds with certainty, 
but was revealing his revealed will concerning the kingdom city of Nineveh. The announcement, Jonah's announcement, the message of God, was a genuine warning, a genuine warning. But built into it was the gift of mercy, that if the people turned from their evil way, God would relent of the disaster he announced. Thus, Jonah did not go to Nineveh preaching the secret will of God at all. Jonah went to Nineveh preaching the good news of God's grace and mercy. Now, perhaps someone who had experienced the ruthless brutality of the violence of the Nineveh, of Nineveh of the Ninevites uh, would object where is the justice in all this mercy and does mercy so, flow so easy well the mercy that the Ninevites received was grounded in and flowed out of the work of the one whom Jonah foreshadowed, the greater Jonah, the one delivered not from three days and three nights in a great sea fish, but raised up from three days and three nights in an encased tomb. That is, the God-man, Jesus. Jesus, who took upon himself the sins of people like you and me and the Ninevites. Sins that hurt other people and sins that offended and alienated God. Jesus, having taken upon himself those sins offered himself up on that ancient cross as a sacrifice paying and paying the penalty for those sins he satisfied the divine justice and removed the fierce anger of god this greater jonah raised on the third day from the dead the exalted Lord Jesus Christ declared that repentance and forgiveness are to be declared, are to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. The exalted Lord Jesus, having satisfied the justice of God, that mercy might flow as the resurrected Lord, declared that repentance and salvation should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. 
so that mercy might freely flow. Now, what is this repentance that Jesus would have us proclaim? Well, repentance is fundamentally a turning to God. A turning to God that involves confessing and acknowledging that one has sinned. That one has sinned in offending others and one has sinned in offending God. And repentance is a turning, a turning from those sinful ways to God and his mercy, committing oneself to the new obedience of the new life. And what is the relationship of repentance to faith? Well, faith is where we find and experience God's mercy. Faith focuses on Jesus Christ. Faith is trusting in Jesus Christ as one's as your Lord and Savior. Repentance and faith are inseparable. Repentance is always a believing repentance. And faith is always a penitent faith. To repent without putting one's faith in Jesus is not repentance. And to put one's faith in Jesus without repenting is not true faith. Repentance and faith always go together. The Apostle Paul summarizes his ministry as repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you are here today as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is important and vital that you remember that your salvation began with repentance and faith in Christ and it must continue every day with repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. For through faith in Jesus Christ, you have been raised as a new creation, a new man, a new woman, forgiven and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a new life, which means that each day you ask the Holy Spirit to help you put to death the the remnants of the old life, and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you put into practice the new obedience of the new life. And it's possible that you might be saying to yourself, well, Howard, 
this is fine and dandy. But how about some specifics for how to live this new life? Well, I think that's an important concern you are raising. I think that's a very important concern that you are raising. And if you think it's an important concern, then I would suggest that you register for the upcoming course on the spirit and the Christian life. Now, if you are here today, you're here today, and you are weighed down by all that is wrong with your life, all that is wrong in your life, weighed down by the sin in your life. And you are wondering if it's possible that this good news is for you. Well, the Lord Jesus is present with us today, and he invites you He desires, he wants you to come to him, turning from your sinful ways to the mercy of God and putting your your faith in him, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Savior and Lord, that you too might be raised as a new creation, a new man, a new woman, forgiven and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a new life. A new life that will come, that will climax and come to its conclusion and completion in the perfections and glory, the satisfaction and joys of dwelling with God in the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. Amen.